Hi, I'm Rich Wynn. And I'm Rebecca Nixon. And this is the PropTech Growth Podcast. Every episode, we interview an expert in the PropTech startup space, gathering their advice and expertise to help you run a successful PropTech business. I'm the portable PropTech CMO, and I help PropTech startups build and scale their commercial growth strategy. I'm Rich from Richwind Consultancy. I specialise in operations, sales and process, helping fintechs and PropTech companies to grow. I started off in sales and marketing, did that in insurance for a while, and then I moved into banking and then I did a whole heap of different jobs for Lloyds Bank and I ended up being the chief exec for Asia for Lloyds and I ran banks in Hong Kong and Japan and China and Malaysia and places like that and it was a super interesting job very fortunate to do that and was in the middle of the financial crisis in 2008-2009 which made it quite interesting I wasn't a natural banker at that point I'd say and then in about sort of eight or nine years ago I came back to the UK I was having a family at that time and fell out of love of big corporate is probably the best way to say that and decided to venture into the unknown called entrepreneurship and I decided to set up Mcube. And so what is Mcube for people that do or, or don't know? So Mcube is a tech business. Yeah, we specialize in artificial intelligence and um, deep learning. We focus in the mortgage um, market at the moment and our aim is to highly automate if not fully automate the mortgage origination process and the idea behind this is to if you think about most borrowers most house owners at some point have a mortgage and they don't want a mortgage it's a necessary evil to buy the house of their dreams and and really what we're all about is we're trying to keep make that as simple and as certain as possible for those borrowers and really bring that into the modern age so and my belief is that you should be able to get a mortgage as fast as you can get car insurance on one of comparison sites today. And that's exactly what we're trying to deliver to the market. Oh, wow. And so you're a tech company and are you a lender or are you a broker? Yes, that's a, a good clarification. Rick. So we, when we set the business up, I decided that we that there's a when you start any business you have a strategic goal do you want to be an operator or do you want to be a service supplier it's a very big strategic goal and i looked at the problem of mortgages i looked at the deployment of technology into banks to highly regulated entities particularly around ai and it was really low very poorly done and, and in reality i decided that we should be an operator and that means we can perfect technology in real life and we do this now, so we are a lender, and there is a brand in the, the market called Empowered uh, Mortgages. This is the brand for MCube, and this goes head-to-head -head with Halifax and HSBC and Barclays and all the big lenders, and we offer this very similar products, very great similar pricing, and but you know, super keen and slick tech to support the process behind that. And behind the scenes of that, we're perfecting our tech, deploying it into real life, but we also then have the MCube business, and the MCube business is a technology business that has customers in banks and building societies, and we sell technology to them, licensed technology to them, and support them in their ability to deploy artificial intelligence into their everyday working lives. Amazing. So with artificial intelligence, obviously most people have sort of some sort of idea of what it is or what it could be. 
you've been playing with not playing with it sorry working with it for the past sort of six years or, or slightly more what do you actually do like back end without obviously any trade secrets back end what what are you doing that is making it as good as it is that high street banks want to you know take your SaaS uh, offer but you're also lending at the, at the same point so what is it that that you've perfected or are perfecting that other people haven't done or can't do yeah i'm a banker by traders i've said but as a ceo of a bank i would have struggled to spell ar let alone know what it really meant and and over this period of time you're right i've now started to understand the commercial benefits of this and the problems with that and it, and it is very simply just misunderstood by large parts of the commercial community that don't actually specialize in the coding or development um, of it and and so therefore it's about so we should just demystify this bit uh, the ai you, you can use different types of ai and there's a lot of talk about chat gpt at the moment and generative ai like that and of course we use lots of large language models which is what that's built on but but we pr um produce ai pipelines to perform very precise functions it's like a laser approach and what that allows us to do is to uh, do certain functions and i'll talk you through what they are now but we do them at a very high performance level with an extremely high level of confidence and it's transparent so therefore we know exactly how we are getting to the results we're getting to and to the confidence scores we're getting to and what that does that allows us to deploy it into highly regulated environments safely without causing audit problems or misunderstandings or unforeseen consequences into that it's a very precise approach to do that so what could we do so if you look at a mortgage is is a data problem so you get to get a mortgage application and many people who are listening or watching this will have done that they fill in an application form with somebody could take them an hour could take them two hours they submit this into a lender with some documentation and kind of three to four weeks later they'll get a mortgage offer back so what is really happening behind the scenes here so in that process what's happening is data's being collected the application form is a manual entry of lots of information um, some of which can't be sourced anywhere do i do you have children what other ages private school public school type stuff and some of it is what property is it how many bedrooms and and all that information is actually publicly available and to submit this what we do is we use variety of different technologies ai included is to create a holistic machine readable object for uniquely for any customer for any property for any situation so therefore if you produced a bank statement for instance or a payslip and you photographed it and you uploaded it onto our system we would use ai to identify it's a payslip extract all the data off it categorize all the data and put it through a decision underwriting engine to come to a decision on it and that decision could be it's the wrong payslip so therefore it's the wrong month and immediately it would flash back up on the screen to the borrower or their mortgage broker you've given us the wrong payslip please give me not september or whatever the thing and it all becomes interactive and real time now what lenders are doing that payslip's going into a lender a human being is looking at it and going into payslip oh and it's september not october sending an email back to the borrower or the broker saying can i have the right one please what we're doing is we're automating that process and we're allowing the borrower or the broker to self-serve themselves self-serve themselves in real time 
because we're using AI to assess all the data and augment all the data in real time. So what would, your, would you say is your sort of biggest challenge with this? Is it because obviously there's so much data out there, but there's a lot of wrong data. And this is something in, sort of in the, the property space with a, I can't remember what it's called now, the steering group for technology and in, within property and basically trying to get back from six months to completion to three months completion or two months or, or yes. there's, there's so much data out there for property, but nobody trusts it. And so it's not yeah. going to work in that respect. So how do you filter out good data from bad data or is that your biggest challenge? Uh, I wouldn't say that's our biggest challenge, actually. So uh, I'm actually going through the mortgage process myself. I'm actually buying a house right now, and um, I can't actually have a mortgage through my own business because that's not allowed by my investment agreement. So I'm now dealing with the top six bank at the moment and having this experience. Think about the mortgage process in two moments of truth for a consumer now. One is the day I get my mortgage offer, and I really know I can buy that house everybody in the process relaxes nobody's going to try and the gazumping process might calm us down a lot and the second moment of truth is the day i move in everything else is annoying noise in between and the second one is all about the conveyancing process so we're not focused on that problem today we will be focused on it in the future but today we're just trying to fix the first problem get everybody certainty and control around that mortgage offer so typically if you an average mortgage application for a person takes one to two hours to fill in ours takes 10 minutes on average in that we collate around 19,000 data points uniquely for that customer for their situation and for that property and that is done within that 10 minute journey so they're actually just giving us information that is either missing or inconsistent so to give you an example of your point there which is like we pulled 1300 data points on the property one of which will be the valuation the other ones will be how many bedrooms freehold leasehold flood risk h2 and all that type of stuff and it all comes in and now if that data comes in and it's missing inconsistent or hits a low confidence score the system generates a question to the borrower or the broker to say please fill in this gap so immediately we're getting them to self-serve the process because they're really the only people in the whole process that genuinely know that data point. It's a bit like your payslip again. If you upload your payslip, we want to know what is your fixed pay and what is your variable pay to meet regulatory standards. So we're reading automatically your payslip. And if we get a confidence score that's low, when we don't know if it's variable or fixed, a question will appear in the journey and say, can you tell us if this 500 pound payment is a fixed or variable element please so our 10 minute journey is completely dynamic it's completely individualized and it's different every time for every customer because what they're doing is filling in the gaps for data that we have not been able to collect again because some of it's not apiable or read from documents children is a good example of that or it's inconsistent or missing from the 28 APIs that we typically call in that um, 10 minute application journey. Okay, that makes sense. And are you, I should know this, but I'll ask anyway, are you just through brokers or do you go direct to consumer as well? No, at the moment, we the empowered mortgages only goes through brokers. 91% of mortgages are broker originated. And as a new startup business, 
there's no point trying to create push water uphill and fixing the broker problem is a key part of the process so we are working with lots of brokers we work with all the big brokers around trying to innovate their journeys and make this quicker we create innovative ai tools for their deployment and they use this independently so one tool we give to broker this means a broker can just type in i'm i'm 38 years old i'm from switzerland i want to buy a property in uh, Manchester for three hundred thousand pounds, and I've got a, a default on my a default CCJ. Will you lend to me? The type it or and immediately will come back with their answer: yes, no, and what evidence would we need for that person? And therefore, we give these tools to brokers, so they don't need to phone us up, and they can immediately twenty four seven get access to that. And we use generative AI to create that experience for them. So there's there's many things that we're doing in this journey to try and really simplify the process and help the incumbents transform their business and i'm a big believer in not using the word disruption disruption is not the way to change the mortgage market for the better betterment of borrowers the best way for them to create best customer outcomes borrower outcomes is to work with the incumbents to help transform their business work with brokers that give great advice to these people help them do the heavy lifting with AI, help lenders make better decisions, collect more data, be more informed to make a more informed decision on whether a loan is suitable or not for an individual. So working with people is far more um, impactful than claiming to be a disruptor and stealing market share or trying to do these things in the mortgage market, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Rebecca? Anything to us? Yeah, I'd love to hear more about your go-to-market strategy. So if you're targeting brokers as your, is that your primary target? And then from there, they build the relationship with the end customer. Is that correct? So for the empowered mortgage business, that's right. So we are, we work with probably 90% of brokers in the UK now. So we have commercial agreements to them and they, will be able to access our full range of products. And we have a sales team and a marketing team out there at the moment, you know, pitching our words, promoting our brand, convincing them that we're the best lender for their particular uh, customer. And then the MQ uh, business is, is a different type of business. It is a more SaaS business. Our customers are banks and building societies and uh, institutions like that. And we have a different type of relationship when we are supporting them with technology and AI services. And of course, that's a different go-to-market strategy from the broker piece. And so there's two businesses I run, uh, and they are distinctly different, albeit the technology is the linking pin between the two. No, I can see that. That's really interesting. So do you have, obviously there's two businesses the way that the businesses are set up, do you have two separate sales and marketing and tech teams or do you have overlap between the two? How does that work? So it's a bit of both. So there's core teams in, in the business and then they focus on either technology development of the core platform. And then there's people that work solely on the empowered mortgage business. And then there's people that work solely on the M- MQ business. So it's a bit of mix and match with that. But we're a small business. We employ 69 people in Guildford and in Leeds and as every good startup is we all muck in there's no such thing as a perfect role one day you're doing this and the next day you're doing that 
and that goes for me and everybody else in the business and but there there is separation but as every small business it gets blurred yeah yeah that's understandable that seems to happen a lot in startups in fact i don't think i've worked with a startup that doesn't have that going on no. it keeps things interesting <laughs> never a boring day right never a boring day and very and very unlikely to have a similar one either yeah yeah oh sorry go ahead rich uh, no, so I was just going to say, which one is your favourite to work on? Or does that change daily? Do you know, I don't think, I don't look at it like that. That's a different question. It's, do you know, so I've been, this morning I've been arranging how we're going to demo AI services at a conference, one of the biggest mortgage broking conferences in the country. And that is like really exciting and super interesting because the whole premise of that is, let's show mortgage brokers today how their life can change today how do we just make their lives easier and that's a really cool thing to do and that kind of excites me in that stuff and then the literally the next phone call after this is going to be a two-hour meeting a technology meeting with a very large building society talking about their needs and requirements and it's just, but that's equally as interesting and challenging but in a different way so i think it's more so I don't really think about it in the two different businesses like that. Certainly I don't. I certainly like engaging externally a lot. I like um, being able to demonstrate the technology a lot. I find that very motivational and energizing, far more than other things which will be more internally focused and maybe not so interesting. So it, I, it's not business related. I think it's more functional related is what kind of floats my boat. I think you should tell me about your AI marketing tool because that sounds very exciting. So we're just about to we're just about to launch this actually, and this is back. This is direct feedback from mortgage brokers asking for some help. So what we're launching is something we call Marketing Assist, and basically, it's a function where a, mar a broker could come along and say, "I want to choose a marketing function. It's an email. It's a mail merge. It's a blog. It's it's whatever that might be." and here's content i want to do mortgage interest rate changes and stuff like this and actually the kind of points i want to cover is the the base rate changes mortgage rate changes impact on consumers impact on debt whatever that might so you give it context and stuff like that and then it um, automatically produces effectively the right contact in the right context which is not dissimilar to chat gbt functionality but apart from we link it into far more LLMs than just OpenAI. We tailor this to make sure we're getting UK uh, language context, and we tailor it behind the scenes to make sure it's mortgage biased as well. So what happens is we generate a tool, a user interface over multiple LLMs that allows uh, this kind of mass kind of Google search to happen, and this really highly contextual, high quality marketing output messaging comes through that in exactly the format that broker wants to utilize in their marketing tool so this is something that we built this is almost like a side hobby for us because we're using the underlying technology to automate far more data driven solutions but we can see how we can do this and lots of brokers have asked us if we can help automate their lives and this is one of the things we're doing we're launching it at a conference in about a month's time and that will then go live probably sometime in November to any mortgage broker in the UK. That's really cool. Very exciting. But again, it's that core message of you're making their lives easier. You're automating the work. Absolutely for brokers. That is exactly what it's, it's about. 
get your decision. There's a bit of a red herring in all this stuff. No one really needs a fast mortgage. It doesn't really happen. It's not really important. And it's also quite an emotive decision. And you could argue that doing a fast emotional decision is not necessarily a good thing to do. But, but what people really crave is control and certainty. That is the, that's what causes um, the stress points. So if you go and ask anybody who's what are the top 10 things that are most stressful in life, it's either it's divorce and death and driving tests and getting a mortgage, buying a house. And it's what we're trying to do is take that stress away by giving certainty and giving control to either the borrower or the broker. So they're in control. They, if they put the data in correctly, they'll just get a fast decision. If they, they put the data in incorrectly, it will tell them it's not correct because we can't make a decision. Nobody can make a decision, but it tells them instantly in, in, in our process. So we're giving them the, the ability to drive the process as fast as they possibly can or as fast as they want to drive the process. And that's about control. And that's what's really exciting about it. Fast mortgages is a soundbite that it gets talked a lot, but it's not really the consumer benefit that they want or we're trying to provide. Control and certainty is absolutely the key point here. What I was just thinking about is my days back as a broker. Obviously, I, I run my own brokerage as well. And we were trying to speed up the consumer, the front end consumer part. We couldn't affect the lenders back then in 2015 or whatever. We were just we bootstrapped we, we that was the habitos the trussels who could actually lobby and had you know, 30 million in the bank but one thing that even though we sped up the consumer journey because we knew how to do that what i found and not this i love what you're doing i'm just from a human element if i have a case if i had a case that was 50 50 that did fit criteria in theory but and I would ring up a BDM or I'd ring up the underwriter and we'd have a chat and actually we'd probably end up getting that case through. Whereas if it was done, not necessarily automatically, but done in the set set way and had to stick a hundred percent to the rules that you'd given. It is that I can see everybody, but is there anything like that that you've got? Cause I think from a broker perspective, that's something that I would still want the ability to discuss and to see if there's a way that not we can get around it, but that we can make a case fit, for example. Or is that, that not what you're going for? No, no absolutely. No. So individuals are annoyingly individual. And we are all that. So no matter, you could be a great credit risk, but you're still individual. And you might be buying a property that's quirky, or you might just have whatever thing in the past. This is so there is no vanilla is very hard to find because there's always something. And, but there's a difference between manually underwriting a case and individually underwriting a case. So what I would say, you're talking to many lenders and what they are saying, they've given you this manual option to talk about a case. What they're really doing is individually underwriting it. You're explaining the situation so they understand it and so they can individually underwrite that case. The only difference is they have chosen to do it manually. Yeah. What we're doing is saying, our process is completely dynamic and it is individualized 100% of the time. It's non-standard all the time. Yeah. So what most technology businesses in mortgages have tried to do, and I did this, I, I remember I walked into my job at Hong Kong and there was a big mortgage business there and as a new shiny CEO, 
first thing I did is said, I'll make a difference and let's get our application to offer down from 28 days to five days or whatever the goal was. And after four months of a very talented team working, we shaved about two and a half hours off that journey and actually made a lot of things worse because we standardized it. We tried to get all the same questions answered in the same way so we could standardize our process. And it's fundamentally the wrong way to do it. We do the opposite, we individualize it. So we consume data and we look at the data and we ask questions on it. So many times it'll be, let's say, I've just started a job, so I'm in my probation period, or there's a variable piece of pay here, or whatever that thing will be. It will flag that up as a failure and the broker will be able to interact with it. And as soon as the broker um, clarifies the data, that can trigger a manual response and we can send it to a human being or it can decline it because it's just a fail or we can accept it in this process. But what we want to do is we only want the humans to do value adding work and be very precise about that. And the system directs it to it. As soon as that task is done, okay, we've got that variable pay bit sorted, put it back on the conveyor belt, everything else is automated. So it absolutely is designed for that situation. And you asked me before, what's our biggest challenge? My biggest challenge is getting people to understand that. So I was at a conference about three weeks ago, a mortgage conference this was, and I asked people to put their hands up and said, in your lifetime, will you drive a driverless car? And I thought 98% of people put their hands up. I then said, in your lifetime, will all mortgages be automated? And about 30% of people put their hands up, yeah? Now, both of these are data problems, very similar data problems. One is equivalent to flying a kite, and one is sending a rocket ship to Mars. Now, everybody believes they can go to Mars, but no one can believe they can fly a kite. That is how weird a scenario is that. So my biggest challenge is to get people to understand that just because it's technology, it doesn't mean the computer says no. It doesn't do that. It's individual underwriting. We've just asked technology to do it instead of a human. That's the difference. That's brilliant. I love that analogy. Really? Perfectly summed up most of the issues with both the property and the finance sectors. It, it, but it is amazing, absolutely. I do that quite a lot. That driverless car analogy, and it is. And then I then I explain it to them. We say you're, you're voting for Mars, but this kite completely out of your goals. Fair enough. But it, but it is a concept. I mean, and, and I make fun of it. But when I was running banks, I would have done the same thing. I did not understand. I did not understand the capability of AI. I did not understand what it did. It was this mystical thing where you press a button, everything happens. Clearly, it's not like that. And so there is an educational piece here that we've really got to champion to help people understand it. AI is going to come in the next generation. It's going to be the biggest sweeping change of the next generation. The world is not going to look and feel the same 10, 15 years from now. And it'll all be driven by AI. And we need to help people understand that. We need to understand genuinely how this is going to impact lives and help people react to it and educate people to it. And I'm very passionate about that because it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that we're all going to have no jobs and, and all these sort of things, but it does mean we're going to adapt and we're going to change like we have done before. And it should be an exciting period of time, not a period of time that we should dread. And so obviously there's probably about a million startups now talking about AI and what they're going to do with AI and, and all that sort of stuff. 
obviously you're way ahead of the curve with that especially in the sort of fintech sector but what advice obviously getting past the early adopters to the next stage seems to be something that's going to have to happen but what advice would you give to people with a tech startup looking to do stuff with ai if they they're just using it as a buzzword or if they actually understand it and have that tech background as well what advice would you you give to them in in any any sort of tech industry really yeah i mean again i was not an entrepreneur i never set a business up before this one and you learn a lot so we particularly with ai though data is the first problem yeah you've got to train models now you can have kind of veneering user interfaces sitting on outsourced ai models where you're doing very late very light development work in reality but creating a great user interface completely good business strategies some of the stuff i've just talked about marketing systems it's like that nothing wrong with that needs less data in that process but the reality is if you're genuinely building innovative ai models you need data for whatever problem that particularly is it's hard to get particularly in the financial services because of gdp gdpr we had to work really hard and do lots of things for free to get people to to give us data in a compliant legal friendly way very difficult to do that and the second thing is then to create a genuine commercial purpose for it and to be able to demonstrate this commercial purpose there are lots and lots of ai startups who are super smart and clever and they're building these theoretical models that at some point in the future i'm sure will have a commercial impact but it's hard to see it at the moment we've taken a very different approach everything we do has an immediate and measurable commercial impact and that be, could be um, speed of a process or capacity or a cost reduction because we don't need a human being to do a piece of work but immediately it makes it very tangible and the third thing we did, which is very difficult for most people to do, and one of the hardest things we did, is we launched in a regulated environment. So we have proven our technology beyond doubt. We are regulated. We're one of the we're a regulated mortgage lender. It's one of the highest regulation um, steps you can you can get, and we have to meet all the requirements of any regulated entity. And we still deploy AI into live all the time, and therefore we we perfect but also knowing we have confidence of its performance capability look the in a nutshell find data because the model is not going to be as good as you think and people are getting smart to that be really laser focused on a commercial benefit and that helps you get to revenue faster and as a starter particularly if you're looking at money raising money today long burn periods now are really hard to fund so you need to get a revenue quickly and and the last point would be if you're selling in fintech to regulated stuff and trying to convince the big bank that you know what you're doing if you're not regulated and if you can't prove it is going to be a challenge i'm not saying you become a regulated entity but it's a big challenge you need to think about because they won't deploy it unless they're confident that's brilliant that's really good advice I think you've helped demystify a bit of the AI conversation, which is always really important uh, when we're talking to people who are using that kind of technology. So thank you for that. Really great advice for other businesses who are employing AI. I think when we we spoke before, I think Stuart, you you suggested maybe you weren't getting either yourself out there enough with regards to promoting a company through your own. I hate using it, but personal brand. 
you, obviously you're at these conferences and things like that, which would be expected. Do you, and maybe to Rebecca as well, do you think that improving that would help the chances of your business, whether it's something you want to do or not, or think it, it's valuable? Yeah, if you look, I'm, as, I mean, I'm very open about this in the business. In the last nine months, we've been very internally focused. We've de developed and deployed a, several lines of technology um, or some pipelines of technology, which will have a fundamental long-term impact on the market. But we've been very internally focused in delivering these things because we have to deliver them to such a high standard because we're in a regulated environment. And and that has and the detriment to that has been less time building brands, building sales and marketing. And even the people whose sole job it is to do that have also been dragged in. And so, so right now I say to the team, I'm doing a big all hands call tomorrow. And the message will be is it's all around delivering experience for the borrower and for the broker and making sure that our brand is better known in the marketplace. So um, yeah, that is the key goal for me in the next 12 months if there's one thing i'll be doing it'll be more time in the marketplace more time with customers more time with brokers uh, and that helps us perfect technology but it also means that we're able to see more opportunities identify more opportunities and, and drive the business and grow the business yeah you've hit on something really important there which is something that i am always banging on about and will never stop emphasizing which is the importance of being customer centric and in every at every point there where you've talked about building your brand, you've talked about it in the context of spending time with your customers, getting to know them better and delivering exactly what they need for them. And I think your personal brand that represents the business being so customer centric can only ever be a good thing. And it's something that I am always encouraging people to do. So it's great to see that you've got a natural proclivity to, to speak about your customers in that way. It shows that they are your core focus, no matter what's happening in the business. And I think the more you can do to emphasize that as you go out to the market and talk to people and build your brand, whether that's face to face, whether it's online, whether it's doing podcasts like this, yeah, pushing that customer centric message is is a really strong one. So yeah, you've got the right the right thing going on there. Yeah, if only I was doing more of it in the last twelve months. So I have to critique myself. Can do better. C minus. So <laughs> there's always like room to grow. And <laughs> I think a lot of founders, rightly or wrongly, I'm going to say wrongly, with, with every good intention in the world, focus really heavily on their product and their innovation. And that's great, but only in the context of what it delivers for the customer. Yeah, absolutely. And you then got to be clear about, particularly in our business, who's your customer? Who pays our bills? That's a bank. Who actually appreciates the product most? It's the borrower. Who's the person that introduces the broker? So wait a minute, who's who are we trying to delight here? And we're actually trying to delight all of them in a different way. And that is a confusing part of a B2B marketplace place strategy which is very usual for fintech b2b marketplace strategies they're very common and you are delighting multiple different people to make a marketplace happen and it can get quite confusing and hard to focus on particularly when actually the cool and sexy bits the tech and you naturally want to get drawn there as well so it it, it, it is a challenge deals pays the bills 
And in this day and age, revenue is everything. And anybody who's looking to raise money and has them last 12 months or in the next 12 months will know their revenue story has to be super hot at the moment. Otherwise, they are going to struggle in this current marketplace. Absolutely. On that point, I'm assuming you've raised. How mm. easy or difficult did you find it, obviously, in general, but also going into a regulated market would have surely... Yes, unfortunately, this is obviously in a, before the watershed. So I have to be careful about my language now. Now, look, anytime you're raising money, it's incredibly difficult to do. It's by far the most difficult thing to get a business going. I'm incredibly fortunate in reality. I've got a very strong mixture of backers. So I had some genuine deep tech VCs, and there's a lot of deep tech VCs out there that aren't deep, but I, I genuinely do have people understand what we do, understand AI and really understand the benefit. They don't get regulation so much, of course, and they don't get kind of that type of mortgage environment, but they understand what AI does. And then I have big market mortgage industry players who aren't tech experts, but are experts in mortgages who, who back the business as well. So I have a very diverse cap table, a very big institutions backing the business and they're very supportive of what we're trying to do. So it is quite, I'm quite fortunate to have that level of support, but it's incredibly difficult to build that and is, it, and it takes so much time. So much of my personal time is dealt focused on that. And you're always raising money. We have raised money and things, but you never stop thinking about that because you never know what, what needs to happen next. So it, it is an incredibly difficult process. And, Diversity of cap table is a big thing I'll encourage people to do. It's hard to do that. Yeah. I made so many mistakes, the too many to count, but I don't beat myself up about any of them because you're running fast, you're making decisions on almost no information with limited experience in a particular area, and you've just got to keep running hard and keep the momentum going. And, and, and go. we talked about that situation and that's it is incredibly difficult 2016 was it in comparison today was like a, a golden era to raise money it was so much easier and today is so much harder we fast forward three years there's still too much liquidity out there and they can't deploy it quickly enough there just isn't confidence in the market in three years time we'll be in a different space again and we'll be back into those types of periods and to go back into that but yeah so I, I mean as i say lots of mistakes but yeah i don't really hop back and regret them but i do hope to learn and do them differently going forward thanks for joining us on the prop tech growth podcast to learn more you can find us on linkedin or email proptechpodcast at icloud.com see you next time